This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are, yet another Strength and Anger interview on I'm the way. I'm stoked for this one. It's so good. So let's t- before we get into that, let's tie up some loose ends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely got a lot of good feedback on the coefficient episode. Yeah, a lot of people really dug, like, because I think everyone knows what they are. They just don't, like, truly get them. And I think now they're starting to be a better, better understanding of what the coefficients do. Yeah, uh, definitely something that uh, sounds like there's some feedback that they'd like us to go deeper into it, you mm-hmm. know, get maybe Jackie on and, and Jen on again and maybe go a little bit more mathy into yes. it, um, which we could certainly do. Um, and we mentioned in that episode, myself and Dr. Gimmel talked about Damn. could someone beat Hoff with the age multiplier? Um, and I did look it up, and the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the McLough age multiplier, Hoff is still number one. Um, Donnie Thompson moves from ninth to fourth because when he set his 3,000 uh, total, he was 46. Mm. Um, there's a few others that move up, um, you know, due to the, the age multiplier. But even with the age multiplier, the top three basically remain the same in multiply men, regardless of, of which coefficient you use. It's always Dave Hoff, number one, Sean Frankel, number two, Kali Reyeson, or how do you say that? Rassin. Rassin, number three. Every formula, those three are always the top three. Callie was supposed to come to the 2019 finals, correct? I believe he was on the list. There was yeah. like a visa issue or there's something going on there. Like, the, yeah. like travel wasn't an option at some point. So Yeah, no, I, I believe you're correct. Yeah. Uh, other than that, Mr. Bain, what is going on? Uh, well, at the time of this recording, uh, in six days, my wife, my oldest daughter, the Lily Bain, uh, are flying to New York City. Uh, for those who don't know, Lily, uh, outside of gymnastics and powerlifting and all the other crap she does, uh, she models, and she is actually going to be walking in New York Fashion Week, uh, which is really, really cool. Very big honor if you're a model, if you're into uh, that type of fashion uh, world. So very excited for that. Uh, she's actually doing a photo shoot as of now in Times Square uh, on Friday, September 10th, uh, with the flooding that is going on right now that may end up changing, but we shall see. And then I'll be working the Strength of Heroes meet uh, over in Bohemia at uh, Shauna Mendelssohn's gym. Very excited for that. So, wow, you're in uh, New York the same time the daughter is going to be there, huh? Yeah, yeah. So it actually worked out really well. And, you know, we're going to be there uh, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And so on the 10th, that Friday evening, there's actually quite a few of us that are going down to uh, to Ground Zero, including uh, Lloyd down at Bingham. And uh, Lloyd, as a first responder from Florida, uh, his first time ever in New York, first time ever going to Ground Zero. We plan on it being a very, uh, very emotional uh, evening on the on the tenth. But very excited to to go and share that experience with my family, with my friends, and and then go uh, help people lift some weights. Yeah, uh, I would like to go to New York. I would like to go see uh, Ground Zero. My wife went there for a work trip a little about uh, I don't know three four years ago, and she mm-hmm. said it was uh, quite a sight. Yeah, I've, I've been to New York. I've been to Midtown. I've not been to downtown Manhattan, which is where uh, where it is. And uh, specifically, t- told myself I would not go without uh, without Nicole. So okay, uh, she's gonna be with us. That's uh, that is the plan. So, but Stone, what is going on with you? Um, it looks like our Illinois strength lifting meet is a go. Oh, um, nice. 
So that's kind of the first puzzle piece from there. And strength lifting, if you haven't listened to past episodes, is going to be a squat overhead press and deadlift meet. Mm. Um, have you seen some of the memes that have been posted this week about rip? And oh, some of the- well, I think I sent you one. Well, there was well that, wasn't, that wasn't a meme. That was just a screenshot. There's some, yeah, there's been some other posts about him. So it makes me even more not want anything to do with anything associated with him which is why I'm glad we're just kind of going off on our own with our own strength lifting. Event. Just down, he's in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but from there, it uh, <coughs> looks like we'll be able to get our 2022 calendar up pretty awesome. soon. Starting, Yay. Probably starting with that event. There's a couple other events we're working on as well. Um, other than that, Mr. Bain, uh, what is... Your fake news. Let me tell you what the fuck is fake news. And if you don't know if you haven't been close to uh, to the gym you may don't know my hvac saga that has been going on so i would strap in for this one this might take a whole 20 minutes to go through it's sad oh my gosh this is brutal i would just have the thing queued up there's all kinds of ones that we could use for this so rewind to uh six days ago so that would be saturday uh actually a week ago i came back from eric and i uh recording and the AC, we have two zones in our home. We have the upstairs uh, level and then the main floor and the downstairs. So two separate systems. The upstairs was AC was not working at all, and it was like 84 degrees on the upper level of my house. Uh, that is not designed for men like me, so I'm like, no, I will sleep downstairs because that's not going to work. I also noticed that my downstairs was not working as efficiently, but I assumed it was trying to kind of keep up. Did some troubleshooting, you know, checked filters, checked fuses, et cetera. Nothing worked. The next morning, Saturday, I woke up, checked all those things again, called uh, ABC Plumbing uh, HVAC uh, and Electric because that's the folks who do all stuff in our house, and they sent a tech out. He pulled the back panel off, and lo and behold, there is a mouse on top of the motor for the uh, AC for the upstairs. Yikes. Completely fried. Great picture. I'll be sure to to share that one. So this begins the saga. We know that now it's a mouse. He goes and he checks the uh, issues with the downstairs AC, and because of the extra work it's doing, it's burning the motor up. Ugh. But wait, there's more. They send someone out to quote us for a new AC unit. It's brutal, but they're doing a buy one, get one special. No problem. Uh, it's $6,000. Those things are not, not cheap. Uh, you know, we have a decent-sized house, so long story short, we get that all squared. We fast-forward now to later that evening and we noticed that the fan is not blowing at all it's not not working on the furnace upstairs the at least keeps air circulating don't get why they send an electrician out while the uh sales guy is is quoting me on the uh ac unit they can't figure out why they send another hvac tech out he can't figure out why so they disconnect everything and basically leave it okay we're gonna have our ac unit delivered on tuesday no problem so we come to Tuesday of this week. The guys show up, 8.30, nice and sharp. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. There's only two dudes. I show them where everything's at. I said, wow, interesting. You guys only have two people to install two AC units? And the guy laughs at me and says, what do you mean, sir? I'm like, the two AC units that I just purchased. And he says, we, we only have one here. And I said, hey, are they another, another crew? No, sir, there's only one AC unit on your order. And so I said, hold on a second. It's sad. There's... This is a buy one, get one. Oh, well, sir, that's if you buy an AC unit, you get a furnace for free. Because most people only have one system in their house. They don't have the dual zone like you guys do. I'm like, well, okay, great. Do you have my furnace? No, sir. So you don't have my furnace. You don't have the second AC. And it's just the two of you. What in the fuck are you doing in my house right now? 
And I told them very quickly, like, I'm not mad at you. Just understand I'm incensed right now. So as they start pulling things apart to install this AC unit, they find that when the guy checked the downstairs, he swapped the the the, the cords, I guess the best way to put it, as he checks the Freon area, and he blew Freon backwards into the system, and he basically fucked up my downstairs AC as well. So it is now covered in ice. Downstairs, the coil is covered in ice. And this all has happened in the course of, you know, three and a half days. So I'm furious because I went from having two systems and four main components and only one was damaged and not working to now I have four that are not working. The entire HVAC system in my home is not working at this point. It's sad. So they install the AC unit. They go upstairs and they install the co- go to install the coil. They find out that when the furnace was installed by ABC four years ago, they did a bunch of jerry-rigging, and they had to rerun all the piping, electric, everything for the furnace before they could install the coil. Normally, it takes about five hours to install an AC unit. These guys did not leave my home for 11 hours. Yikes. But wait, there's still more. They send the guy out to fix the electric. They get that figured out. They send the guy out to get everything working with the furnace. Turns out it is warranty work because when they tested the AC unit downstairs, it ran a surge all the way through, and it blew the motherboard on the on the furnace. So that's warranty work. He had to bring a new motherboard out to me. So this all happens over the course of Tuesday into Wednesday, and we find out that there was also a capacitor that was blown on the downstairs for, uh, AC unit due to all this different shit going on. So guy fixes that, and all of a sudden, because it's their people and their equipment that keeps damaging my stuff, I don't have to pay for all this, but it's just it's just one thing after another. Your organization's terrible. Let's go. So then we get the whole thing figured out with the furnace. The furnace is supposed to be delivered and installed today, Friday, as of this recording. About 845, I still have heard nothing. I knew, normally would assume with something like this, they want this is the first call of the day. Just get out of the way, get this customer done, because you know I can get kind of pissy. By 845, I haven't heard anything from anybody. So I'm like, okay, this is an issue. I call them up. Uh, we don't show you on the schedule, Mr. Bain. Uh, yeah, you should. This is this is now another issue. Where's my furnace? We don't show you having a furnace with us, Mr. Bean. That was installed four years ago. And I lose my ever-loving mind on this poor person on the phone. <laughs> so. That was more than a mistake. That was done purposely. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like. So to fast forward through that, I had to go through two different layers of management I had to send them the new contract that I had signed because we had changed around the uh, the serial numbers that showed that there was a furnace that was due to me, and basically it was never that was never turned in to the scheduling people, and so they had to go find a crew. I'm like, cool. How fast can you get here? Because I am leaving my house at three o'clock roughly to come down and record this episode, and then I'm going straight to the high school to go watch Lily Cheer tonight. So my family's not going to be here. So they have a have a crew. A crew has arrived at my house now and is currently installing my furnace. And I'm like, cool. This is a five hour job. Knowing how you guys have done your shit so far, uh, this is going to become a problem real fast. Say China. <laughs> Actually, these are all carrier made. So most, at least, they're assembled here in the U.S. So components are probably made in China. But yes, yeah, so the HVAC big boys they are fake news. You are fake news. Stone, what's fake news? Um, I'll make mine short since that was the longest fake news <laughs> in history of strength and anger. 
Um, you know, I think we've both agreed. We've both gotten our jab at this point, our Fauci ouchie. You can't prove that. Uh, well, you can because there's a little piece of cardstock paper that they give you, and they scribble some things on it with a pen. Oh, I have something funny to share about that, too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you know, and I got it because I just wanted to check it off my list. I'm, you know, whatever. But my wife and I are going to per- a performance in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um I think a musical mm-hmm. and they're requiring us to show our vaccine card when we come in. So some high school college kid ticket taker mm-hmm. is going to look at this bullshit, like one fourth cardstock piece of paper, draw a dick on it. And they're going to be able to tell whether that's real or not. You are fake news. Draw a dick on it. That, I mean, get fucked. That is so ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Like I have it and it's fine, whatever. But to expect that, some minimum wage employee is going to be able to tell. Or that are going to fucking care. Right. I'd just be like, I got it. Yeah. So I, I, it, it's fake news. It's dumb. Um, I, do you need to see my A1C levels? Do you want to take my blood pressure before we come in? Um, do I need to step on a scale and get my uh, BMI checked? Do a quick, quick prostate exam? Like, like, yeah. What other kind of medical uh, you know, evidence do I need to show to walk in to see a musical? Yeah. So ridiculous. Do, do you find it interesting that, you know, People that are on the sex offender list don't have to present any ID or anything like that showing they are on it, but we have to to show we have a vaccine. Say China. Yeah. So with the whole jab card thing, there was a place out in, I want to say it was Western Illinois, like the town Western, that uh, whatever the, the CVS, the Walgreens, they ran out of the cards. So when they got down to the last couple, they literally just fucking photocopied them and used that. Quiet. I shit you not, they copied these things and were filling that out and handing the people after they got their jab. Wow. And this is on my networking lunch that we do every every Friday for work. And this is just people from all over the logistics industry. And they're like, dude, at what point do we just finally say, yes, this is all fucking theater? There has never been so many lies, so much deception. There has never been anything like it. Could not have said it better myself. Thank you, Donnie. Appreciate you. Very correct. I said it's illegal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's move on to our hot topic of the day. Um, are we a USAPL podcast, Mr. Bain? Because no. literally we've talked about them every week for like a month. No, but, we don't live in Texas. <laughs> but they are uh, in the news again. The IPF has now officially suspended the USAPL. Yes, everybody who sent me that and Bain that. Yes, we've heard. Yeah. Like, did, did you hear this? Yeah. Literally everybody in the gym, everybody in my DMs have all asked me, yes, I've heard. Yeah. The IPF has officially suspended the USAPL for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone over it in the past. It's due to they're not doing all testing per WADA protocols. Um, I agree. <laughs> but apparently uh, no, no U.S. lifters are going to be at Worlds, according to this. False. Oh. Because okay. some are circumventing that by going through the U.S. BVI or the U.S. Uh, Virgin Islands. Wow. So yeah. they're going in a back doorway, huh? I mean, if that's your pleasure. Um, you know, at this point, I think I've said it before, and I actually commented on the IPS post mm-hmm. um, and said, I, I think a new U.S. This is, this is all cabal. This is all power play. A new U.S. IPF affiliate is on the way. It's happening. The Robert Keller organization? Uh, I would say that's very plausible. And your prediction or I don't even know. If pontification. Predi- pontification of a... Palpatine style long play for Robert Keller. Um, that's at least plausible, if I, not probable. At this I, point. I've said some crazier things. We'll say that. That's a hundred percent. My man. And my man. 
And in a new segment, because I couldn't come up with any stone stories, yeah. um, things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> and I need, like, the, the drop from that song. Things that make you go, hmm. So, Julius, we didn't, like, we were on our way down to the WPO, and I, I got a message from one of my clients, David, that said mm-hmm. he heard on 670 The Score that Julius Maddox was going to attempt the 800-pound raw bench. Yeah, and I, I got, like, it sent to me probably, like, two hours before my flight. I'm like, yeah. Oh, what? And this was going to happen on Saturday, the Saturday that we were at the WPO, I believe. Or was it Friday? I can't remember. Saturday. It was Saturday. Okay, correct. It was, it was, Saturday. It was, it was Ladies' Day. So August 21st. Um, and it was advertised on 670 Score because apparently some of them were going to be there. It was going to be at Wrigley Field. It was a, it was a free event to the public. Although people were posting on like even Maddox's Instagram, like, how do I get tickets? How do I come? I'm not that far from them. I'd like to come watch. Yeah, and he um, was not responding to a fucking one of them. And you had heard a rumor that he was going to do something last year in Chicago. He, he told me this. Well, because he came to w, uh, APF Nationals Correct. last year in Fort Lauderdale because somebody paid his way, one of the right. one of the lifters. And you said to him, hey, you've qualified. Why don't you come do WPC Worlds, WPC Worlds at 2XL yep. in Chicago? We'll have a great crew there, blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, I got something going on in Chicago. In December. Gonna, in December. And that never happened, obviously. Yeah. He, he said he was going to do, do the lift in December at Wrigley Field. Mike, December do you, 2020. Do you, like, and, and I'm sitting in my head thinking, do you know what it's like in Chicago in December? Well, it obviously never happened. Right. And so it happened after a Cubs game. We heard from a reliable source whose friend was at the game mm-hmm. that he was there. He was at the Cubs game, stuck around to watch it. Um, the, the video's been posted. He missed it. He missed 800. Yep. Uh, this is non-verified, so this is rumor on Yendo. What we've heard was that apparently there was yet another misload. It's sad. <laughs> That's what I've heard is there were another mislow. They were missing a 25-pound plate on one side. I, I just if, – if that is indeed the case, what in the actual fuck are you doing? Well, you said it recently. Once is, you know, it happens. Yeah. Twice? Eh, I, I, now, now we have a pattern. I, either he has really bad promoters that he's going to that are – I mean, and he, it, this was not a meet. This was – like, I don't even no, know how it, this – this was a sanction by the WRPF. I don't – which, how they do that, I don't understand. How can it be sanctioned when there's one person? That's not a meet. That's an exhibition. Like, it's cool. That means Are you he's. An agitator? <laughs> it's cool. That means he's very strong. But how can you consider it a meet when it's one person? Pile of garbage. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, there's a spot for Julius Maddox at 2XL at the Pressing the Pieces Together in 2022, if you'd like to come here. And let, let me just say this Julius Maddox is strong as hell. A hundred percent. There's no doubt about Possibly that. Possibly the strongest bencher to ever live, or one of the strongest. He, he is in that conversation. Gigantic human. Enormous human being. Generally a nice person. However, yeah, when we had him in Florida last year, seemed nice. Yeah. However, if this is truly the number he wants, which I found it interesting, too, about a week later he posted about the road to 900. I'm like, let's get to 800 there first, boss. If you truly want to get this lift... Do it under circumstances that cater to it. This exhibition does not at all. You're the only one there. Even the t- well, there was a few lifters at the one uh, last year as well that were not featured. It was only Julius where ESPN was there and all that. If for whatever reason you get hurt or like things are suboptimal, you're simply going to have to adjust. It sucks. You don't want to you know deal with that. And 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 it it is it is the name of the game, but that. 
not everything goes your way. But at this point now, the eyes are on you to screw up again. Somehow, some way. Maybe not through your own fault, maybe through the promoters, especially if there was indeed a misload again. For the love of God, make sure the people that are on that platform can fucking count. Don't get so excited. There's only one lifter. How can you misload it? That's you only have to load one lifter three times. I I, I still I cannot fathom that. Well, and the other one he was at was it like that? It was in Indiana. Was it was that, in Indiana. That was, was a small meet. Correct. It was like, it was like ten people at a okay. bench only meet. Still, but again, this is the one person everyone is here to see, and and I get it. You get excited. You're in the spotlight. It's, oh, my God, people are looking at me. No one fucking cares who you are. You're supposed to load the goddamn plates. It's not tough. And, and so just, Julius, if you ever hear this or if someone does a soundbite and sends this to you, come to 2XL. I personally guarantee a good crew. I personally guarantee the bar will be loaded right. And I personally guarantee that if you hit this lift, you will never hurt a louder crowd. Full stop. Okay. I agree. Uh, let's move on to our Plusa throwback, Mr. Bain. Throwback, throwback, throwback. We're going to August 2005. That, this is a ways back, man. Shit. Um, we've got on the cover Matt Lamarck, mm-hmm. who we'll talk about. But what was going on in August 2005? Uh, top movies in the summer of 2005. Some good movies. Star Wars Episode Three. <sighs> uh, that of the prequel is by far my favorite. That's the a, prequel movies. There is few scenes better than the first time you hear the Darth Vader breath. That might be my second or third favorite Star Wars movie in general. Like, it, it's hard to beat the original. It's hard to beat, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, Ooh, one of the best so sequels good. of all time. So good. But, I mean, I, Reve- it's Revenge of the Sith, I believe, yes. Yes. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith is really, really good. And why was it called Revenge of the Sith? Uh, because originally the third movie was going to be Revenge of the Jedi. Yes, sir. And yes. changed it to Return of the Jedi. My man. My man. Nerd! <laughs> um, also in the summer of 2005, War of the Worlds. Never seen it. Batman Begins. Where is she? Awesome movie. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the remake. That would, dude. For those who listen to me partake in, uh, you know, the occasional edible or whatnot, you really want to trip out, watch that movie when you're Have high. you watched the original? In the same fashion? I have. Because the, the the remake is marginal, in my opinion. It is. The original is fabulous. One oh, of the, a, Fabulous a, flick. I was saying, you want to trip out, watch the remake Okay, when you're high. Sure, sure, sure. And Wedding Crashers. Oh, my gosh. Stage 5 clinger. <laughs> uh, of those, uh, I mean, Star Wars Episode 3 and Batman Begins are classic movies. The, of the other two, Wedding Crashers, um, a good solid flick. Oh, yeah. Um, Hurricane Katrina. Ironic, given the current news in the world. Yep. Landed in New Orleans in August 2005. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and what's the what's the hurricane that's hit right now in the same area? Ida. Ida, yeah. So it, if you're listening to this later, you know, this is being recorded and dropped in September 2021. So um, what were you doing in August 2005, Mr. Bain? Uh, Nick and I had been married for all of four months, and uh, Nicole was pregnant with the Lily Bain. So you didn't waste any fucking time, huh? Uh, so there's a story behind that. Uh, Nick and I chose to sleep in separate areas uh, in the probably nine or so months run up to our marriage that we lived together. Uh, just, you know, things going on with, with us, nothing bad. Just we had uh, adopted a belief system that it kind of made sense that we wanted to do that. But also we had a child already. So it just made sense for us to basically me sleep on the couch for nine months. Except for one fucking night. Probably a month and a half for our marriage. 
Nick wasn't feeling so hot the day we got married. Uh, and, and I joke with her. I'm like, you should probably get a pregnancy test this check. Sure shit. <laughs> Sniper Bane couldn't S- pull out of his own driveway. Sniper. Pew. Stone, what were you doing? Uh, in July, uh, July 31st, so mm-hmm. just before this, uh, AWPC Worlds 2005, I had probably one of my better meets. Uh, I did a 672 squat, 374 bench, 523 deadlift. It's a deadlift PR, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it was at the time. It's not my my, my highest deadlift. Yeah. I've done 557. Five okay. Yeah. Uh, 1570 total at 165. And I believe that was my last meet training with the Franz Power team before oh, wow. I had to. That fall, I would have started student teaching. Um, I had, was doing my internship that summer. And then uh, I graduated in January of 06. Wow. So. Um, on the cover of this Powerlifting USA is Matt Lamarck, the lightest man to break the 800-pound barrier. Um, ironic, we're talking about eight, the raw 800-pound barrier. Yeah. Back in these days, early 2000s, the 800-pound barrier with a bench shirt on was the big deal. Um, open Powerlifting does not have his 801. I mean, I believe it because it was on Powerlifting USA. It was at a wobble meet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy who's been competing for a, and still competing um, for a very long time. Um, his top lift on open powerlifting is 771. Um, he's also done 679 pounds in a single ply. Um, he's pretty much been competing fairly consistently since 1995. A lot of bench only meets, but some push pull, even a few full meets. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely his best lift is the bench. Um, just recently in 2020, he was at an APF meet in Arizona and bombed with 650 in a multi ply. Um, it looks like even in 2019, he had done 650 in a single ply, um, and he also has a 688-pound single ply deadlift to his name. Mm, so gotcha. uh, this time, he looks like he's in a double denim. I'm thinking of Karen Klein by looking at it and benched 800. Um, he really never got super close to that again, though. I mean, he did the 771. He did the 800 here in 05, um, and then he kind of went into more single ply and was in the 600s for a while. Um, and, you know, most recently back with 650 in a multiply and, you know, 15 years later. Um, so interesting. It'll be interesting, uh, interesting to chat with him about his, uh, his journey of, yeah. all, of all that benching for those years. Um, there was an article by Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell, Periodization Pendulum Wave. Um, it's basically, a, it, I mean, in this mid-2000s era, there was a lot of articles by Louis that kind of just – went over what you and I would probably consider the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, he talks about that max effort work is rotated every week and speed strength or dynamic work is rotated every three weeks. Um, one, and a, a couple, but never any deloads. Yeah, which is interesting when I, we go to the next article. But um, he does state, Louis, that is, uh, does state to use different percentages for speed work for different bars. So he says if you're using the safety squat bar for speed work, you should go percentages off of your safety squat bar max effort PR. Um, and, you know, same for other types of lifts and other types of bars. Mm-hmm. Um, he says only to use weight releasers on bench mostly. Um and only for two weeks in a row due to the eccentric stress. So interesting. a couple of interesting tidbits in there. Um, literally pages later, Jim Wendler, a, I think may have still been a West side guy at this time. Um, there's a later in the issue, there's a thousand pound squat picture of him. Um, it with Louie in the same meet. Um, and this is force training max effort waves by Jim Wendler. And, he lists a bunch, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but a various methods for rotating max effort work. 
and a lot of different, you know, weak rotation reps and, and weak schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, this was perhaps the first time the word deload was mentioned, the infamous deload, oh. and he mentions it a couple different times. Um, the, <laughs> the first one he mentions is the most, he says, the most brutal um, is the Bulgarian method where you do the same exercise for three weeks, you work up to 1RM week one, and then you do the same, trying to break a PR in week two. Week three is a deload. Uh, similar to what we've been doing here at Midwest although we do first week double, second week singles, third mm. week deload. Um, he mentions the 531 method, maybe the first time those terms were mentioned, although it's really not like the 531 book and method he would come up with in later years. Um, but it does mention specific percentages and a, a rep drop set. Mm. Um, he has the repetition deload method, which is two weeks of a max effort, and the third week is a rep deload, often with dumbbells. The example given was um, two weeks of floor press, one RMs, and the third week doing dumbbell floor press for reps as a deload. And he talks about the two-week method that he learned from Buddy Morris, a pretty famous uh, NFL strength coach. And similar to the other ones listed above, basically you you stick with the same exercise for two weeks as opposed to the standard West Side one week. Uh, thought process being in that first week, you would kind of just learn the exercise, get those neuromuscular adaptations, mm-hmm. and you'd be able to break that PR in the second week. And again, similar to what we've been doing here at 2XL with our Midwest side. Gotcha. Method. This just in in the uh, HVAC saga, the installer showed up with the wrong size furnace. They have to reschedule with us. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> no one just texted me. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? I'll deal with this after we're recording. <laughs> Uh, and we interesting, we've been talking about uh, coefficients. Mm-hmm. At this time, there was the all-time best male masters lifters using the Glossbrenner formula mm-hmm. and the McClough age correction factor. Number one lifter is Robert Cortez, um, and this was in the AAU. At age 73, he gets a 1.82 uh, multiplier. Wow. So his coefficient score, does that is that listed here? Ooh, I guess. Oh, yes. He lists his coefficient rating was 694. And for reference, Hoff's Glossbrenner is in the seven. I think it's 711. Yeah. It's uh, in the 700s. Yeah. Um, number two is Tony Conyers, guy we've talked about a lot uh, with uh, six, uh, 678. Not that, I mean, these are just numbers, so whatever. But uh, Hideki Inaba, one of the most famous IPF lifters of all time. I mm-hmm. think he's like a, a dozen time IPF world champion. Um, you know, a very lightweight lifter, uh, lifts in a lot of those lighter weight classes. Mm-hmm. He's listed here in the 52 kilo class. He's got a 669 score. Richard Flores, a local guy, um, who lifted in a ton of APF WPC meets is number four with 663. And he did that at age 67. So again, he's getting a 1.597 multiplier. And number five is our uh, founder, Ernie Franz, with 661. Nice. This is when he totaled 807 kilos um, at 100 kilo body weight at age 61. So he's totaling over 800 kilos at That's age 61. Insane. So those, and there's, there's, it goes on from there. Some other lifters that uh, we, Ed Cohen is in here at age 41. So he gets a very small amount of multiplier. Um, You've got uh, Ricky Crane when he was 43. You've got Doug Heath. You've got Gary Frank. So some guys that are in their early 40s. Um, so interesting that we were talking about that, and that was in this most recent yeah. issue put together by Herb Glassman at the time. 
Um, Thanks, Herb. <laughs> yep. We've got 12 basic steps to a bigger total by Anthony Rattuccio, who uh, is a – he was a nutrition guy, wrote a lot of nutrition articles. I think he worked with Gary Frank, mm-hmm. worked with some other guys. Uh, around this time, he often had a, uh, you know, a column in Powerlifting USA. So I'm going to go through his, his 12 basic steps. Um, number one, feed the machine. Make sure you eat enough calories. Uh, number two, eat enough protein. Number three, consume low GI, that's glycemic index, complex carbs. Uh, Number four, jack up the fat, a.k.a. get enough essential fats. Number five, eat five to six times per day. Number six, drink your water. Number seven, take a multivitamin. Number eight, cut down on the junk. Number nine, use a protein supplement. Number 10, balance your meals, a.k.a. balance your macros. Number 11, eat your fruits and vegetables. Number 12. Uh, Don't fuck it up. There wasn't a number 12. That, it just I, went, that's what I'm putting in. Don't fuck it up. It just went from number 11 to the conclusion, so I guess he forgot number 12. Uh, but I think mostly common sense stuff. The only one I probably don't necessarily agree with is the eating to five, six times per day. That seemed to be like the really like modus operandi, like common around this time. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I, I've read a, a decent amount of research that said it doesn't really matter if you eat five times, six times, or three Two times, times a day. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the total caloric intake and more the peri-workout nutrition, the, the nutrition around your workouts. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that's wrong. I'm just going to say I've read contrary opinions. The rest of it I probably mostly agree with. Um, and mentioned we had the IPA Iron House Classic results from Newark, Ohio, April 16th through the 17th, 2005. This featured a Jim Wendler 1,000-pound squat and a Louis Simmons 650-pound deadlift in wow. the 220s, lifting in a deadlift only. Louis Simmons. There was an advertisement for Bench America 3 to mm. take place September 30th through October 1st, 2005 in Elgin, Illinois. We've talked about Bench America. It looks like this is around the time that our buddy, Sean Catterley, started to get involved because I could, I could always spot his particular advertising style and copy. Um, but there was going to be a $10,000 prize for the biggest bench overall. But this event, unlike the first Bench America, which was double ply, this is a single ply shirts only, poly or denim. That's bullshit. So, um, and he, I think he would later add drug testing as well, which would then eliminate a whole bunch of other lifters that uh, were in the first one, went double ply, and then went away when it went to single ply. Yeah, you know, it would be that way. Yeah. Um, and I would love to get that story. I have had, you know, cursory conversations with Joe Mukite about that. Mm-hmm. He's kind of moved on in his life, but I will maybe retouch on that again at a certain certain time in the future. I would love to get his story. From what I'm told, Ruben Enriendo, he took a third mortgage on his house during the first Bench America. Yep. So um, the top super heavyweights from May 04 to May 05. Uh, there's some pretty big freaking names on this list. Well, like pretty big freaking humans on that list. Uh, yes, but we've got number one, Bo Moore, 1125. Number two, and these are the squats, Paul mm-hmm. Childress, 1124. Number three, Matt Smith, 1074. Number four, Chad Ikes, 1053. Number five, Jim Hoskinson, 1041. Number six, T. Hudson, not a guy familiar with, 1025. Gary Frank tied, 1,025. Donnie Thompson, 1,024. Mike Regera, number 9, 1,020. Number 10, 1,019. John Berner, number 11. S. Crumbly, 1,003. John Ewing tied, 1,003. And B. Brand, uh, 1,013. 
So the top 13 lifters in 04 to 05 all squatted over 1,000. Wow. And number one in the bench was a 1,000-pound bench from Gene Rychek. Um, again, some really big names here. We've got Gene Rychek, 1,005, Ryan Canelli, 902, Sean Latimer, 850, Steve Wong, 832, Mike Wolfie, 825, Clay Brandenburg, 821, Tiny Meeker, 820, Paul Key, 805. We finally know what Paul Key benched. Nice. Paul Key benched 805, at least in 05. Um, C. Cook, 804. Bill Giuseppe, still still training and lifting, um, 800. Gary Frank at number 11, 788. And um, the deadlift, we had M. Nisi with 866. Brad Gillingham, 837. Brian Siders, 826. And number four, Donnie Thompson, who wasn't known for his deadlift, 821. Matt Smith, 815. Mike Regera, 815. Brett Mikesell, another guy not necessarily known for his, his deadlift, 810. And it's interesting, I don't see him. Oh, he's all the way down at 28 with a 903. So he must have had a down year in 0405. Mm. Or maybe he was just on his way up. Um, I guess I have to look at that. Um, your top total in 05 is 2606. Consider that Dave Hoff, on a very, very off day at not super heavyweight, Total over 2,800. Consider that Dan Bell's raw all-time record is now 2,606. Donnie Thompson was number one, 2,606. Wow. Matt Smith, 2,601. Paul Childress, 2,579. Bo Moore, 2,546. Brian Siders, 2,529. Mike Regera, 2,510. So we got five guys, six guys over 2,500. But, yeah, consider Dan Bell has done that with just wraps. And this was multiply gear, not the multiply gear, especially the bench shirts that would come to be with the open back design. But, you know, it was starting because you had Gene Rychek with a 1,005 bench. Yeah. So it was coming. So that was your top uh, 100 super heavyweights. Uh, from here, Mr. Bain, we're going to go ahead and jump over to our interview with Dina. Yes. DeAndrea. Am I saying that correct? DeAndrea. DeAndrea? Oh, fuck. Well, sorry, Dina. I'm still mispronouncing your name. <laughs> but nonetheless, we'll jump to the, uh, the 2021 WPO Super Finals women top finisher, first yeah. place, the belt holder. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another Strength and Anger interview. We are here with uh, a very exciting interview to have. The latest WPO women's champion, unseating two-time champion, Tara Weber. I want to sure I get the name right. Miss Dina DeAndrea, welcome, Dina, to yeah. Strength and Anger. Claps for you. You said it the right yes, way. Yes, yes. <laughs> and thank you for that intro. Um, I, yeah, I know a lot of people want to say Deanna when they say that, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you, you got it. It's Dina. Thank sweet. you. Awesome, awesome. Why don't you make sure I get it right? Like I said, the champ is here, so we got to make sure we, we do it right. So uh, we're excited to have you, Dina. I mean, uh, coming off, you know, just really a week ago, an unbelievable performance and i say that not because you weren't capable but because really you kind of came out of nowhere with this wpo performance uh because you're very new to multiply and i think it's one of the things we'll talk about a little later is it's so exciting about women's powerlifting and women's multiply specifically is there are so many incredible athletes that are kind of on the come up and i think you kind of announced to the world like hey i'm here and there's more of us coming and, and you, <laughs> you took down a pretty yeah. important and impressive record uh on uh, on sunday last week so, or saturday i'm sorry yeah, which we didn't even know that that record was. So we, as in Laura and I, we didn't even know that record was beat until Sunday morning when the guys were warming up. She came walking out of the warm-up room. <laughs> She's like, I have to tell you something, okay? She's like, I was sitting at breakfast, and I'm thinking about the numbers, and I had to pull my phone out and add it up, and I realized you beat my all-time world record number. 
for total. That's, <laughs> so it wasn't even Saturday. We didn't even, it was such an exciting day on Saturday that that, that total didn't even click to either of us. Yeah. Wow. No, it was Saturday was incredible. It was awesome to to be a part of it and to share that with you. And I know Eric, you were there as well with uh, with Dr. Gimmel and then helping on Sunday. And uh, so yeah, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that. But uh, first things first, Dina, uh, kind of introduce yourself. Uh, we you know talk about the pronunciation of your name. Uh, maybe talk about what you do outside of powerlifting, some of your accomplishments, and just really kind of let everyone know who you are because I think it's still generally unknown who Dina is. All right. Uh, well, besides Dina D'Andrea, you might see a different name, Dina Tollison, which mm-hmm. is my maiden name. I think my Facebook's still under that same person. Um, I'm from Illinois, and usually when I talk to people, I'll say Chicago because mm-hmm. they don't even recognize Illinois. But um, since you guys are familiar with that area, I'm from Carpentersville, Illinois. Okay. Yep, yeah. Familiar. And then um, spent a little bit of time in California, and now I'm in Arizona. Um, outside of the gym, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for about 10 years now, and I just recently stepped into a role called the house supervisor, which is, to me, a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been a very long-term goal, career-wise, to get to. What 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 does a house Uh, supervisor do? I guess I I don't don't know what that is. So, a house supervisor, it kind of bridges the clinical side and the administrative side together. Mm -hmm. So there's one house supervisor per shift. You kind of run around and put out fires all day, I guess would be nice. The, nice. the best way to explain it. You, you get to do clinical stuff, which I love, but you also have an administrative um, aspect to the day. Gotcha. So kind of like a manager of the nurses. Pretty much. Um, yeah, pretty much. But you get to, like management in a hospital doesn't typically get to do a lot of clinical. Mm-hmm. Sure. But this is a very unique position where I can still do hands-on clinical stuff like if a code blue is going on mm-hmm. or a trauma i can jump into that because it's within my scope that's awesome that's really yeah. cool actually uh, i love it yeah i yeah, love it the, you said you've been a nurse for about 10 years yes gotcha, gotcha. and that flew by yeah, yeah 10 wow, years. It's, it's wild uh and then uh, anything else outside of powerlifting any other hobbies anything else you do or um i love to hike mm-hmm. uh arizona is a beautiful place to go hiking i have two dogs i love to spend time with okay um i'm a big fan of netflix <laughs> Nothing wrong with which that. sucks you in you can waste a whole day watching netflix yeah we, we all kind of needed it for the last 18 months so it's been uh, been a godsend that's for sure yeah yes but that's really i'm, I'm kind of lame I, I like to be at home mm-hmm. i like to spend time with the boyfriend and the dogs makes sense makes sense okay so maybe go through like what your sports background is like how uh, we'll talk about how you got specifically involved in powerlifting, but you know, how did you kind of get into that arena to start with? Uh, well, as a little kid, um, I would never sit still. So my mom started me in gymnastics, which kind of started my athletic background off because I never stopped <laughs> right. doing athletic things since then. So gymnastics I was in until about middle school. And this was nothing fancy. It wasn't like competitive gymnastics. It was just going to the local rec center to kill some energy. Little, little tumbling, little little backflips here and there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Learning, learning how to get along with other people. Um, That's important. It is. And then middle school, once I had an opportunity to join track, which I think it it wasn't until like seventh grade, I did a little track, did a little bit of basketball, way too clumsy for basketball. That wasn't my thing. (laughs) So um, when high school came around, I did indoor track and outdoor track all four years. I dabbled into cross country, which I was terrible at. Mm. Um, I did cheerleading for a couple of years, and yes, that is a sport. It is a sport. My uh, wife is a cheerleader. Is a my daughter sport. is a cheerleader. It is 100% a sport. 
there you go. See, some people don't feel that way. So yeah. I'm glad you're on the same page. 100%. Um, let's see. In high school is where I was introduced into weightlifting. That's where I was, you know, first weight room ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after high school, let's see, I did a little bit of bodybuilding. I competed in physique, mm-hmm. a couple of physique shows. And then I dabbled back into running for a bit, um, some yeah. 5Ks, a couple yeah. half marathons. I've completed yeah. some full marathons, nothing competitive, just something to finish. That, that's still incredible, though, because I'll tell you what, I ain't running 26 miles. Oh, it's, yeah, it, it, to, to think back and go, holy smacks, I really ran 26 miles. Right. Took four and a half hours to do, but uh, yeah, I won't do it again. I'll stick with powerlifting. Yeah, yeah. Where do you think you're more tired, after a multiply event or after a marathon? After a marathon, I feel like I don't even know where I am. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. I feel like multiply, you know, your CNS is exhausted. I still feel like I'm recovering from it, Um, probably because I went right back to work when when we got back into town. But uh, it's a different type of exhaustion. Definitely. Fair, fair. So, so then transitioning to you, you do some bodybuilding, you're just running, and then you get into this powerlifting thing. Kind of talk about that and maybe like even your first meet experience, like what what got you in, maybe what got you hooked? I missed competing. I mean, being in sports all through high school, um, I, yeah, I never stopped lifting since high school, but mm-hmm. I was really missing that, like, I don't, I, I mean, you guys understand that that competitive, I drive i guess mm-hmm. um it feels good to compete it pushes you to do better and i, I like to do better in all aspects of life sure. so um when my uh it was my boyfriend at the time who then became my husband when we moved to arizona which is now ex-husband but mm-hmm. anywho that's, that's when we moved thing, to yep. arizona <laughs> we moved to arizona i started looking into like how to compete in weightlifting and i stumbled on powerlifting mm-hmm. And signed up for my first meet, which would have been in 2016. Um, trained myself because we had we had, were we were daily gym goers, and I preferred the heavier lifting part. I like to you know do one rep max and see what I could do. So I figured, why not why not do a, a powerlifting meet and see how this goes? Right. So I went to my um, first powerlifting meet totally alone. I had no idea what to expect. Wow. <laughs> It was, um, what was that called? 100% raw. Are you familiar with that? I am. So it was at 100% raw, and um, I came with no food. I think I had a banana. Wow. <laughs> I had a bottle of water. I knew I needed a singlet. I remember like studying the, the rule book a few days before. I think I knew that wait, thing. Wait, wait, wait. Um, You're a lifter, and you studied the rule book? Crazy. <laughs> I wanted to know, I didn't want to make a butthead out of myself, which I'm really good at doing. So I wanted to know the rules. Um, that, that, I, is, that is a running gag on the show because there was a lifter who literally, actually a couple who've done this, but recently who told Eric when he, was he disqualified or is he wasn't wearing something? Uh, well, right? he was in single ply and he had, he had Velcro yes. straps, which I said, you can't have in single ply. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you didn't tell me that. I said, well, it's in the rule book. He said, well, you can't expect me to read the rule book. I'm a lifter. Oh, my goodness. That was the response. <laughs> yes. Yes. The common response. There's a rule book for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For you guys to read, not for me. I'm an, I'm an athlete. Right. You're not going to stand up on the mic and read it to us before we begin? Come on. Apparently not. Crazy. No. Crazy yeah. So, so you come with a banana and a singlet. And, and what happens to that first meet? 
Uh, well, and I think um, so. Paul was the person running that, Paul and I. Um, I no, no, Gillett or Gillett. I'm probably oh, butchering okay. his last name. Okay. Um, he's the Arizona chairman for oh, that. Okay. So well, I remember he's the head of 100% raw. So. Yes, I think he's in New Mexico, though. I could be wrong. Sure. I just um, sometimes those presidents will travel around to meets. Yeah. So. I think this one was Gillett, but okay, um, sure. after like the. Uh, initial give your way in and give your numbers i remember walking up to him and asking you know if, if i miss a lift are there going to be spotters up there because i didn't bring anyone with me like i was totally totally new to the sport had sure. no idea what was going on well, well to be um, fair that is like an actual question at some meets because i know we've commented on some where like the head judge is also the head spotter oh wow yeah. I, okay that's alarming so it's a, it's a, it's a valid <laughs> question i feel but i i, I get as a, as a new person like this is not always clear. No, no. Um, but that mean it was it's so weird to look at now and then. I had I had no belt. Um, I was lifting in like running shoes for all three lifts, squat bench, deadlift. I had a pair of Nikes on. Nice. <laughs> um, I was super light. I, I was competing at about 157 pounds, which now I compete at 181, so a little different. Yeah, a little bit. Um my my squat it was 286 my bench was 165 my deadlift was 308 and i think that gave me about a 759 or 60 pound total mm -hmm. which i mean those numbers to now it's i'll, I'll take it for a first meet yeah but it was that's a good a, for a beginner i'd say yeah it was such a fun experience um i felt like a powerlifting like that got me hooked on a powerlifting that day because like i said i went along but I had people there offering to take videos so I could send the videos to my dad. Mm -hmm. And people were cheering for me, giving me pointers. And they had no idea who the heck I was. There was a stranger there. Um, so that that day definitely got me hooked into the sport of powerlifting and an introduction into how great it is. That's awesome. That's that's really cool to hear. And I, I love hearing about people's first meet experience because I think that's a, it is a pivotal moment, right? Because we, we, you know, we did an episode recently on why people, you know, may leave the sport. And I think those meet experiences are a really important piece of it because if you're not having fun when you're competing and you don't feel that community, why would you stay? Right. It doesn't get you hooked if you're not having fun. Exactly. Exactly. So let's make, we'll, we'll kind of continue on that journey and go a little bit more into how you went from there to WPO champion, mm -hmm. fill the gaps between them. But Maybe just list off what your best lifts are in whatever categories you keep track of. I know you've competed basically every type. I mean, raw looks like single ply, multi ply. I don't know if you keep track of all those, but at least your best numbers and whatever categories you keep track of. So, confession, those numbers I usually am not very good at not remembering. So, I looked up open power lifting. Oh, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I would probably do the same for you. <laughs> So, like, completely raw, raw, my best spot was 313, and that's, um, that was way back in 2017. Um, my best classic raw squat was 524. Okay. Um, my best single ply squat was 567. Mm -hmm. um, best raw bench is 260. My best um, raw deadlift was... Oh, uh, gotta, gotta I don't scroll, think I got that one. <laughs> don't got that one. Yep. Um, best single ply deadlift was five sixty seven. Solid. That was so usually classic raw and single ply squat and deadlift were always the same, which I thought was kind of weird. Interesting. Um, and then multi ply. Best 
guests were at this at, at WPO, which was uh, 727 squat, uh, 479 bench, 584 deadlift. That's awesome. That's really an incredible performance, and, and watching that and then seeing the progression, because I, I wasn't 100% sure how long you'd been in the sport, and seeing that progression and, and the work was, it's really been been awesome to to kind of start to dig in and observe. And so, so first of all, congratulations, an incredible day that you had. Thank you. I think I lucked out and everything just went um, the way it needed to go. So thank you for that. Yeah, we, we haven't posted the episode yet, but we've already recorded our WPO review and we kind of went, I dove into the open powerlifting and looked through your meet results and it's like, all right, first multiply meet beginning of the year, yep. uh, mm-hmm. second multiply meet bombed at nationals, third multiply meet huge PRs and yeah. went to the WPO. <laughs> Correct. World record beats your coach. Yeah. No problem. Well, and weird thing with that, I didn't realize this, Laura, her first WPO was also her third multiply meet. So a strange thing we have in common that we didn't realize until uh, Saturday as well. Yeah, I think she might have bombed at that WPO if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we could go back and look. I know there was a WPO where she was very discouraged with her performance and then came back and hit some humongous numbers, obviously, after that. Her huge, very big I mean, bombing out of a meet really... I feel like then the next meet after you come back with a vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, no, I know I can do better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, you learn, right? I mean, I think that was, uh, actually, I actually was talking to some of the spotters because some of the crew from, as you saw from the WPO were also the uh, same guys that were at nationals and you and, and Anthony Obica were two of the people I said specifically watch these two because if they get, because I know that that overkill bencher is a challenge to work with sometimes. I said, if they get their benches, they're winning. That's uh, that just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I, and <laughs> you guys both did really um, well. Yeah, I mean. and, well, because you and I had met out at Ant's Gym. I don't know if it was in January or April when we were all out there. It might have been April because I think Rudy was there as well. And I remember watching you bench uh, raw and then throw the shirt on. I think you took like five hundred to a one board. I'm like, holy shit! Like no one <laughs> knows she's coming. Like, oh my god. Yeah, but I lucked out. I mean, Rudy is like the the gear whisperer. To to have him there and the, be the maker of the gear, he knows how to put it on you the right way and give you the cues that you need. That was my best. I mean, not that you guys know I haven't been multiplied that long, mm-hmm. but working up to that day, I had never benched that well. And then even leaving and, and doing my training afterwards. And I told Rudy this at WPO. Like, yeah. I'm so glad you're here because my best bench day ever was the day at Anthony's gym when you were there yep. talking me through it. And luckily, WPO went that way also. He helped fix the shirt, did a little tweaks here and there. Um, so, I, yeah, it was awesome to have him there. That's awesome. So let's talk about that transition to multiply. What what kind of made you decide? And, and I th- I may have heard this incorrectly, but I thought I'd heard that one of your bigger influences around uh, just lifting and maybe with this transition had, had passed recently. Is that correct? Or maybe kind of talk about that a little bit. So the transition into multiply, um, I, I knew that So before this, I was competing most recently in single ply and I had done the 2020 um, Olympia in yep. single ply. Yep. And I kind of knew that that was going to be my last single ply for a while, I really wanted to start getting into multi-ply, being able to manage the heavier weights, not having to walk out a squat. (laughs) Amen (laughs) Um, to that. Hey, yeah, that doesn't count as part of the squat. (laughs) So we had um, a great episode about that. That's a good call. (laughs) Yes. 
Um, and I had a, a team now that was, you know, you can't do multiply without a team. So my boyfriend, Kyle, it loves multiply. Mm-hmm. Um, Asa, the owner of Preacher Power Barbell Club, the gym I lift at, he was definitely interested in multiply. So to have a team that kind of opened up the door, like, okay, hey, let's sign up for this meet in February and do that. Um, but that was independent of the person who actually introduced me to multiply tim isaac mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys have heard that name older old school power lifter um from illinois but the name sounds I familiar i heard the name but and that's why i knew i'd heard something about that so I, that's why i kind of yeah. brought it up so him and his brother used to travel around and do a lot of um like expos they would go to prisons and lift to put on a show um but anywho in in phoenix when i was lifting for training for my first powerlifting meet i was lifting at a commercial gym lifetime Mm -hmm. and you know for a female to put like two blades on the bar kind of it's not normal there maybe now it grabs some attention yeah (laughs) it grabs some attention so uh one of the trainers there who's now a really good friend of mine james he saw me moving two plates he's like what are are you training for something like yeah I'm, i'm training for my first powerlifting meet and he's like oh that's cool i i like powerlifting as well and he invited me to come and lift with him and his friends and they were being coached by tim isaac so i did join them we would bench on friday nights and squat on saturday mornings Mm -hmm. and tim would talk us through you know the the right Mm -hmm. form to use because multiply form is a lot different than than raw and he would train us that, you know, he had to break down my form for raw, which honestly I was still learning because I was new to the sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would ha- teach me how to tuck. And I remember he would try to get me to do tribe. And I'm like, I, what? How do I bench with my legs? What are you talking about? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's it took definitely. a while. It took a while to, to click. And he's the one who actually told me to start watching Laura's videos. And once I was able to semi get the right technique down, he threw me into a, a metal suit and a a too big uh, Rage X shirt. Mm-hmm. And he would just we would lift for fun. It wasn't none of us were were lifting to compete multiply. We just like to get together and try to lift heavy weight in yeah. gear. <laughs> yeah. um, so he we did that for a few years. It, it went from instead of Friday nights and Saturday mornings, we would just do all three lifts on Saturday mornings at my friend James's garage gotcha. and Tim brought his monolift. He had a special made bench and we would help him lift too. He had a, he had a stroke so he couldn't actually like grab the bar. Mm-hmm. So we would help hold his hand on the bar. So all of us got an opportunity to lift and watch him. He would still push uh, close to a thousand pounds for his bench press in a shirt. Wow. Which I was like, Oh my, every, every Saturday it's just, it was super inspiring to see him do that. Um, but he he recently passed, um, had a heart attack. I believe he had COVID and pneumonia mm-hmm. and that. But his memorial was on the same day as WPO. Oh, so wow. it was it was a neat a neat thing. Of course, I want to be at the memorial, but even more so to be able to lift at the biggest multiply meet in memory of the person who actually introduced me to multiply, I thought was just going to be an awesome day, <laughs> no matter how you spin it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just got goosebumps. I mean, my gosh, to, to be able to compete at the WPO on the day of the memorial for the person who basically started you down that path. Like what a way With, to honor him. Like, wow, yeah. that's, that's unbelievable. Wow. 
I with my lifting idol as my coach. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, who? who <laughs> it was, that's a, it that's was like, so that's, cool. That's, that's movie shit. Like that's Hollywood yeah, shit yeah. right there. That's wow. I I'm very rarely at a loss for words. I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> oh, mark the calendars. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's very very rare. Uh, I'll find something. Don't worry. So, what's been kind of the biggest change as you've made this transition? I know obviously you've been you were doing it for fun, but uh, what's been the biggest change from raw to single ply to multiply? Um, I feel like technique, um, and that's not meant as like a diss on raw. I appreciate raw. I appreciate classic raw, mm-hmm. single ply. I, I just love powerlifting all around. Mm-hmm. But I have being someone who's competed in all of those areas. Mm-hmm. I think raw is the probably most welcoming, and that's why I started in that because I was intimidated at first by the sport, not knowing much about it. Sure. So not a whole lot of technique is required in order to to complete a meet, I feel like. Um, And then moving into single ply, it's a different technique. Like, I think I noticed that more so on my deadlift. My deadlift setup completely changed from going from raw to single ply. Mm -hmm. And obviously a bench because you have to learn um, how to bench in a shirt, which is just, that's a wild ride. Sure, sure. (laughs) Especially moving into multiply, I think multiply bench is where I notice, well, and squat, because it's a completely different stance um, to learn to step back and open wide. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are words you can say, but to really understand what in the world that means, which I still catch myself <laughs> doing incorrectly at times. But right. Yeah, I feel like technique definitely is the biggest. And then the pressure that you feel in multiply is not there in any other any other type of lifting a, um, to me. A flipping men. Yeah, that's. I mean, to think you're going to black out possibly during squat, it it just adds a whole nother level to the <laughs> yep. to the lifting. It's not not but, wrong. And yeah, guys who spring leaks or guys and gals, you know, the bleeding everywhere. Like it's uh, it's a trip. It's oh wild. yeah, I, it's I frequently like the day after squat sessions. I usually have a bunch of broken blood vessels on my face. I haven't blown out my eyes, which. To be honest, I'm kind of bummed. I'm like waiting for that squat session where I, <laughs> where I get a blown out eyeball. But um, no, it's usually and that stuff doesn't happen single ply or or raw. So yeah, a few dif- a few differences. No, I do. I, I've definitely gotten the, we call them sparkles uh, around the eyes, and then uh, I think I've blown a blood vessel in my eye twice. Oh man, see, I'm yeah. waiting for that day. What were you lifting? What did you lift that day? Uh, that it, was, it was the, the two times that I've taken a thousand pounds on squat. I've, I've blown blood vessels okay. in my eyes, so I, that maybe that's that maybe that's the cue. I don't know. Uh, so it's, you know, go squat a thousand, it'll be fine. Oh man, <laughs> you say it like it's so easy. <laughs> so, I, so I will say this: I, I've been talking about this for a few months with people, with folks like you, uh, Amber Hansen, Rebecca Roberts, Leah Reichman. Uh, Jess Springer, who isn't even fully in gear yet, you know, coming up here in Chicago, there is a race to the thousand pound mark for ladies, and it's it's going to get wild. And you, you throw Crystal Tate back in the mix, as she, you know, when she gets healthy, it, it's going to be really, really exciting here over the next probably twenty four to thirty six months with the ladies. Heck yeah, eyes are going to be on ladies doing yep. their thing. Yep, it's and I'm, get and I know, exciting. I'm, I'm even missing women. I'm sure when I'm talking about those numbers, so it's it's going to be really, really cool. There'll be some of them coming up. Just uh, going, surprise, here's my 1,000-pound squat. Pretty much. <laughs> I go, who's that? <laughs> exactly. Cool. M- M- Miss 1K is who, is who it is. So, Oh, my gosh. That's going to be the name. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Let's maybe switch gears a little bit, Dina. Um, 
you know, you've talked about you've been an athlete your whole life. Uh, describe, you know, what from a mental standpoint, what's your mindset when you're at a competition? You've done a lot of meets now. You've done some pretty high-level meets. What do, you, what do you think your mindset is when you're competing? Uh, I, you know what, I start every meet day, I start out pretty much the same. Wake mm-hmm. up, have, have my normal breakfast, and then I try to make it like a regular day. And to try to keep the nerves away, I'm usually you know, playing music while I'm putting the braids in for mm-hmm. meet day. And from then on, I just try to make it an enjoyable day because you put in so much work um, that you really get to showcase just in one day. And if you think about it that way, then it, it gets to me and my nerves start going up. Sure. So I, on meet day, I'm usually just trying to remind myself to take everything in and enjoy it. Treat it like a training day, just with a few more eyeballs watching you mm-hmm. um, and with commands. And it usually takes me, I'm usually good until it's time to do my first squat. And then the, the adrenaline starts to rush, which is what happened to me on WPO. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I feel like once you get that first squat done and you're in the meet, it's it makes it a lot more like a party. And I think if you look at it like a party, then you're able to enjoy the day no matter no matter how it, it goes. Of course, you don't want to not do what you were hoping to do. But if you have fun, you didn't waste that day. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I try to keep that. And really, I mean, when you look at it, we get, what, maybe nine minutes, if that, out on the platform. Basically so you lost. truly, I try to bring that into the forefront um, just to remind myself to have a good time because it's such a limited day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's not, not wrong. So so thinking about that WPO experience, I mean, again, your first one, it really couldn't have gone better. Uh, it, talk about what you enjoyed, maybe th- some things you would have changed either in your in your preparation, in your in your process, or just about the WPO in general. Like, Just talk about that experience. I, I think it's important for people to, to understand what that was like for you. Oh man, that experience! I I felt like I was fangirling the whole weekend. Um, <laughs> that, that's fair. <laughs> to to be there with some of the big name lifters that were there, um, biggest names in the sport. I mean, and to have Laura there, I ha- I think I had butterflies the whole weekend, just with a mix of Laura and competing with Tara and Rebecca Roberts. I mean, so many, yeah. so many talented women, and then the next day to be. Watching the men, I can definitely say I was fangirling the whole weekend. And it did, it felt like a big show, which I didn't realize. Like, you don't realize it when you're in the warm up area, but when I went out for that first squat, mm-hmm. I think it's really when it all kicked in. And I couldn't, um, I went for my first squat and like my pick was okay. And then, like, I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From my shoulders down. And you could see that in my first squat. My knees went forward. Like, I, I did something I typically don't do, and I think it was all the the excitement of what a big day that was, mm-hmm. um, and it ran so smooth. I even now to think, man, we started at noon, and that meet was done by five. Yep, everything went so fast. I don't even think there were missed loads, or there were not. And, you know, no one got no one got hurt. Thank you, WPO spotters. They are, um, they are the best. They are the best. <laughs> don't break your arm. Pat yourself on the back. I Come said in. they first of all, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Because well, the spotters Bain, are the best. I, you, Bain, you make such a big difference. You make the lifter feel like a thousand bucks as you're walking out onto that platform. You give us each eye contact, and you're talking us up while you're you're waiting for us to get um, 
us ourselves lined up. So please know that makes a huge difference on, on a big day. That, that means a lot. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but as far as changing anything, I don't, I mean, I think it would be cool if there was a screen in the, the warm up area. So mm-hmm. the lifters could see the person on the platform. Cause really, I think mm-hmm. I only got to watch, um, I mean, me and Rebecca were usually right next to each other. So yeah. I think I got to watch her bench and I got to see her deadlift. But aside from that, unfortunately, I feel like I didn't get to see in person a lot of the female lifters. I can see it now on Instagram, but it's a sure. little different. <laughs> right. No, that's definitely true. I think it's it's a different experience when you're when you're physically there and watching it live. I mean, that that's true for almost any sporting event. But something like this, I think it, I, I definitely agree that it's it's very very different being being up there and you know being a part of it too. You're you're connected to it, and so it's just a, it's it's unique. It is. And I think we all love to cheer each other on. And it just, I mean, we can cheer from the warm up room, even if you can't see each other, but uh, you know when to start yelling, you know, when that person's down in the hole, if you could watch that video and the lifter will hear it, even if it's coming from the warm up room. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. But other than that, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's my first meet there. So it's, I can't compare it to, to being there prior, but. it was a well-run day. Were you offended that you were not interviewed? No, no. You know, and I know that um, there is some backlash on social media. Mm-hmm. The way I looked at it when I saw um, Dave getting interviewed, because Kyle turned to me and he's like, you didn't get interviewed. I'm like, well, <coughs> look, Dave has won four times now. Uh, he just had the biggest bench in a full powerlifting meet, mm-hmm. and he had a visible injury. I'm sure people were requesting to speak to him. He's he's the Hoff. Sure, sure. <laughs> and me being someone new to new to uh, multiply powerlifting and a name, I know I'm not well known. I'm not. I'm not extremely active on social media, um, so I I know the the people that were watching were like who who is this Dina girl so no I'm not I wasn't offended to not get an interview well although to that point I think and, and that's fine you you, yeah. I, you I'm not saying you need to be offended of course but to that point people didn't know you and I think there probably would have been some utility I think there were some technical reasons why it didn't happen mm-hmm. but I think there probably would have been some utility in having you interviewed so that then the viewers could know who is this girl that I would say kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and beat the two-time champ, Tara Weber. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, it, that's another way to look at it, and I guess that's still kind of kicking in. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Which might sound ridiculous, but no, it's it's the truth. It's still kind of kicking in that that even happened. Sure, and I think that's why Ben and I just wanted to get you on as soon as we could so that people could hear your story, even in more long form than, yeah. than would be possible on a you know, two, three-minute quick you know, live stream interview. And, and I was actually thinking about this, you know, today, you know, so I'm out walking the dog and I'm thinking about the interview and all the stuff we're going to be doing today. And, you know, one of the things that I think was important is, you know, the women's game is is changing, I think, a lot faster than the men's is. I mean, obviously, Dave is very dominant and we know there's a lot of good lifters that are coming up, but they still have a ways to go. I mean, I think Anthony had a tremendous day. He also surprised many, many people. Uh, not me, but he, he <laughs> I'm just saying, Ant's my boy and, and I love him and uh 
but yeah, it, it's one of those things where the ladies, I mean, there is much more parity. And also because so many more women are being welcomed and brought in to not just powerlifting, but multiply. And uh, so you're seeing these very unique individuals, these very unique athletes. Uh, that just, that there's not as many of those with the men's side. And there's not as much uh, division between these elite athletes and, and everybody else. So I think that's, that's one of the really cool things with the women's game is – there are so many really, really exciting and exceptional ladies. And so, you know, it's important to to hear those stories because then I also look at it from the side as a parent, especially to two young girls, they need to hear these voices. And again, it's nothing that the WPO did wrong. It's just, it's a voice that needs to be heard. It's yours. It's Amber Hansen's. It's Leah Reichman's. It's Crystal Taze. It's all these individuals. It's, it's Anna McCluskey. It's all these ladies because they have an important voice. They have an important story. And women and young girls and men need to hear it. You just gave me goosebumps with all of that. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just a big fan of the sport, but I'm also a huge fan of women's powerlifting specifically. Yeah, and I think you made a good point, Bane, that there is more parity on, yeah. on the women's side. I think that's the that's probably the word. I mean, Hoff pulled 250 pounds less than his PR and still won by a healthy margin. Yeah, like by our calcul- points or something like that, yeah. Yeah, by our calculations, it would have taken a lot. Like, there would have had to be extraordinary efforts by – Manuth or Tina Tina Harrow or Tina Harrow yeah. or one of those even to get close to a, a poor day for for Hoff. Yeah. So yeah, no, I just thought we'd ask. I, I'm not yeah, again. I don't think you should be offended. I think you should have been interviewed. Um, I, I don't blame Michael or Wayne for that. I think maybe it just take it as something where hey, next time we, we can just make that standard operating procedure at the end of the yep. you know after the award ceremony. Let's get the winner on and talk to him. So and that I don't know. If, I don't think this is top secret, but um, that will be. That will be protocol now, is what I'm told. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, th- th- this is evolving. I mean, oh, yeah. we're only a few years into the WPO. I mean, we had ESPN out at one point, and you know, I think Michael and Wayne are just—they're trying to get the formula that makes sense. So, yeah, I just thought I'd ask. I don't—I I can tell you, I know Michael. I mean, gosh, we've talked to Michael for freaking hours. I mean, we got—we have half a day of talking to Michael, basically, right. <laughs> and, and that's just on the podcast. Yeah, on the phone, we've both talked to him a lot, and I've talked to Wayne a lot. He can talk almost as much as Michael. Yeah, so we, I, we, we were up with Michael until on Sunday night, myself, John Campion, and I think Bob Merck was down there and Ant was down there for a while. But Michael and I were up till 4.30 in the morning talking on Monday, Sunday into Monday. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. That's... That's a that's a marathon of talking. My goodness. Well, I, you know, Michael can talk. Thankfully, I had been drinking, so that helped. And, uh, and Michael can talk. And Michael can talk. And Michael had also been drinking, so perfect. <laughs> so it was uh, it was exciting. That's for sure. Uh, so this is one of the questions that we've kind of started asking some folks, and, and I think it's an important one because there's a lot of time, especially now with the USAPL, you know, being uh, suspended by the IPF and talk about the money it's going to their pro series. What what do you think it takes? to make powerlifting mainstream, you know, enough that people can make a living. And do we even want that? You know, I've been thinking about this um, throughout the day and even just listening to your podcasts because um, I know this question gets asked. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I almost feel like it would have to turn into more of a team sport because that's what gets people interested they like watching teams go against teams like you know yep. the football baseball basketball it's team versus team mm-hmm. um whereas i know some some meets you can sign up for as a team but it's really lifter right lifter versus lifter and i know a lot of people look at it as no it's it's lifting against myself but when you look at it from the outside it's lifter versus lifter mm-hmm. i don't know that that would 
pull in enough fans to be mainstream. I almost feel like the you'd have to have this this lifting team versus this lifting team to get more people on board with it. Right. And then how often can you really do that? Because, I mean, you got, especially these high-level mates, you have to recover from it. I mean, there's a lot of physicality that goes into it. It's a body-violent sport. So it's, I, yeah. I, that's, a good, that's a good take. I, I don't know if that would be possible. Well, they had, we've talked about a couple times, uh, uh, the Mountaineer Cup had a couple times yep. where it was like a, a partner series where you'd have like a lightweight and a heavyweight. And I guess you could, you could maybe do a man-woman team maybe, and that could be your, your team. And there was kind of like a draft. And at least at that time with the Mountaineer Cup, they were trying to get some gambling involved, which whenever there's gambling, there's more money involved. Usually, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that my, sounds interesting. My yeah. question is always like, do we, like, uh, I, it's kind of nebulous what exactly is mainstream, but the question would be, do we want it to be mainstream? I mean, making a living and being mainstream, I think, are two different things because mm-hmm. I would consider bodybuilding to have a good amount of money in it, but I'm sure. not sure it's necessarily, quote, like the sport of bodybuilding is mainstream per se. Sure. I, I think, and the reason I always say mainstream is like bodybuilding, like if you tell me you lift weights, like, oh, you're a bodybuilder. Like, no, I'm a power lifter. And but those are just words. It, sure. Yeah. But it's, just, it's like, do you put the bar over your head? That's the next question. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on that, uh, Dina? I'm just, I'm trying to think if I would, <laughs> I feel like if it was mainstream, it's going to change the sport so much that as much as I would love it to be more known, mm-hmm. I don't know that I want the sport to change that much. Sure. Because that, that underground piece is almost like the intimacy of it is what's fun. Especially mm-hmm. for multiply, in my yeah. opinion. That's what's kind of attracted yeah. me to it through the years. It's a different community, and I feel like that community would change. I, I mean, maybe it would change for the better, but there's always that chance that it doesn't if it were to go mainstream. Yeah, fair. I agree. So it, it, you have started working with Laura Phelps. You talked about how you used to watch her videos. So how did you get started working with her on a remote basis? Um, how has that been? You know, describe for people that maybe have never had like a, a remote coach exactly how that works for you. All right. So when I um, knew that I was going to start competing in multiply after I did my first meet and I loved it, I you know, had goals of getting to WPO and I was thinking, okay, who, cause my current coach, um, well, my coach at that time when I was doing single ply, he hadn't, he wasn't very familiar with multiply. Sure. Um, so in my head, I'm thinking, okay, if I want to get to the top of this sport, why not reach out to the greatest of all time and see if she has availability for coaching. So, I was, it sounds ridiculous. I was actually nervous to reach out to Laura <laughs> because <laughs> she is the best of the best. And I had been looking up to her for so many years um, as a power lifter and a female athlete. Um, Have you heard the stories of, uh, of me and Laura? Yeah, Bane couldn't, no, even, I, Bane couldn't even talk to Laura like the first time. First was, four times I was in a room with her, I could not say Jesus a word to Laura. <laughs> well, and I, I get it because I, I get... Um, I've gone to her gym a couple times and each time I do, it's like during the drive there, you got to like, Dina, chill out, take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's, she's human. And then, but you, you talk to her and she's such a humble, sweet, kind person that you, it, it makes the, the nerves go away and you're like, Oh, okay. This, this is okay. I can do this. I can talk to this person. <laughs> I, I still get geeked up whenever I know Laura's going to be somewhere. I'm not going to lie. 
She is one of the nicest people oh, in the sport, though, I would say. Super awesome. She is. She yeah. is. And I think that adds to her coaching because she's, you're just, you're able to connect with her whether you're near or far. Um, so I, I emailed her through her, uh, um, gosh, through her website mm-hmm. app saying that I didn't want like, you know, general lifting. I, this is, I, I'm a, I want to compete. I, I have a goal to make it to WPO. Um, and when she responded back saying, yeah, let's do this. I, I, oh my gosh, I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, Kyle, Kyle, you're not going to believe this. Laura's <laughs> going to be my coach. <laughs> that's awesome. And when was this? Uh, this was after my first powerlifting meet. So first powerlifting meet was in February. This was in March when we started. I want to say March okay. of 2020. Okay. So just, uh, just so, last year. Um, last March or I'm this March? Sorry, 2021. Oh, okay. oh so, my gosh. Yes. So like, so like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This, okay. um, yeah, wow. right before I met you, this February was my first, first multiply meet. So then in March I reached out to her Okay. and, um, she sent me the program, which was way new to me. Cause I had pretty much, I mean, I, I coached myself through raw and classic raw and then I had a single ply coach and all of that was more like linear. Um, so to have more of the conjugate style, it was very interesting at, at first. I think it took me like probably two weeks to understand how to really do it the right way. Like I, I, I probably took the first week too easy cause I was still trying to figure out what I was doing. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but it's, she, you know, she checks up being, so she's in Ohio and I'm in Arizona, so I can't, as much as I would love to be able to train with her all the time, she makes it very easy to train from afar because she's super easy to contact. You know, we're able to text back and forth. She'll have me send her videos so she can give me um, tips on, on the form or what to change or, you know, she's got all these little tricks up her sleeve of how to make a lift better for you and your, your, your body type and your lifting style and which gear you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's kind enough to let me come out to her. Well, uh, sweatshop. Um, yeah. uh, I've gone out there twice now. Um, and it's amazing how in just one, one training session with her, it completely changed because my pick was awful the pick for the squat and she was trying her best to explain it through text. And I'm like, I, I promise I see what you're saying and I'm trying to make it make sense. My body's just not doing <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> so then to go to her gym and everyone there is so welcoming and so helpful. There was a big group trying to explain to me how to like do a pick the easiest way. So you're not trying to muscle through it, right. which makes a world of difference. If you can have a solid pick, then you go into that squat with so much more confidence. Hey, what, what do I tell you? If you can so, pick it, you can squat it. Yeah. If you pick it, you can squat it. Oh, yeah. that should be on a shirt. <laughs> um, so just one training session with her, I, I fixed my pick completely. And then um, after bombing out uh, nationals on bench, I, I wanted to make a, another trip out there between nationals and WPO to kind of, I don't want to say fine tune. It was more of figure out what I'm doing wrong on bench. Right. <laughs> and, right. And she gave me a few tips cause I was still benching like a raw lifter. And by that, I mean, I would like collapse when the bar would come to my chest yep. and then use leg drive 
but the leg drive kept lifting my butt up off the bench. Sure. Um, which is why I bombed out of nationals. So, uh, okay. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 uh, that dang butt wouldn't stay down. <laughs> um, so she taught me a few different things, uh, to change just, you know, changing when you initiate leg drive and, um, just that one session with her completely changed how I approached the bench, my setup, and and each step I took then after that until completing the lift. And that clearly helped because all of my benches at WPO, I think, were three white lights for all three lifts. Uh, I do believe so. Not that I crave three white lights. I'm happy with two, but, I mean, that's a big change from, from bombing two, out two will get to three. at nationals. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, and I, I mean, you can make remote coaching work for you as long as you, you reach out with the questions and you, um, if you can't make it out to that coach, just sending videos does a big thing. Cause you can yeah. explain, I mean, I could explain to her what I'm doing, but the videos show it so much more and sending videos from different angles. She is so I mean, great at what she does because she's been a lifter. She's gone through it. She she knows how to set up the programming that she is magically able to do that from afar, which I'm very thankful for. Sure. And maybe you said this, correct me. Uh, were you doing more of a linear before or were you doing conjugate before? I a conju The first time I, I started conjugate was working with Laura. So okay, prior right. to this, it was it was more linear. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that is a big, just at that end of itself oh, yeah. is a big change, certainly, because I mean, I've, I've done both, but both, yeah, both, uh, conjugate is definitely, uh, it, I think it, there's a, there's a bigger learning curve with conjugate. And I think mm -hmm. conjugate, I think probably works best for multiply, just given the, the, the myriad of variables associated with being in multiply gear. Um, but it just from a training style, I think it's discernibly different just to train in that fashion. For sure. It is. And I, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say it, it works. I don't know that I would want to do conjugate for raw. And I, I mean, I haven't tried it, so I might have to put those words in my mouth later. But um, I do feel like for multiply, it's it's important to have those variables in because that, um, I mean, if you're off by like, what, a quarter of an inch out of your groove, mm -hmm. if you don't know how to recover from that, you're losing that lift and multiply. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. Thank, thankfully, we got good spotters. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry, had, had, had to throw that one out there. <laughs> shameless. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sh shameless. So, I mean, you've had, we went through it in our, our previous episode. I mean, the progress from February to August is tremendous. I mean, um, I mean, and, and in general, your progress from your single ply raw days to your multiply, tremendous. I, I know there's probably a myriad of things that Laura has done from a training and technique perspective, but if you could maybe pick out one, two, or three of the most important things in working with Laura that has changed, that has put you over the top, what would they be? Ah, uh, I, f well, I mean, training with a coach who knows what they're doing, I, I feel like you need to, that's one important thing, do your research before you, you hire a coach. Amen. Um, <laughs> um, I think another thing would be being able to ask her questions. I mean, what's the point of having a program and a training regimen if you don't 
understands. So, I mean, and that come that's that's accountability on on the athlete themselves. You have to if you're not understanding something, ask that question. And she is very um, quick to respond. So it's like if if I'm in the gym in the middle of my workout, going shoot, I should have read this before I started it, but I'm gonna send her a text and ask a question. <laughs> um, so uh, I mean, it's a it's a fast response. So asking questions, doing your research before you hire a coach. Um, and I, I, because I idolize her, I feel like I need to do a good job. So I think that pushes me even more. My coach motivates me just by being who she is. That's fair. So let me ask this, and those are all good answers, but let me ask in a different way. What specifically has Laura tweaked with you personally that has put you from, you know, like a 1200 pound total to whatever you got at the WPM 1600, pound total? Cause that's a huge change. Uh, so the pick for sure, because it built confidence. I feel like the weights know if you're confident or not. And already being under them as I mean, like a squat and bench being under that, her fixing my technique. So um, I'm trying to figure out how to make it uh, really the pick um, squat. Okay. That's um, huge. Learning how to set up because I used to set up, I would get under the bar and then set up. Ah. Whereas she taught me to walk up to the bar, look over the bar, look where your feet are, so that no matter what monolith you're in, you set up the same. Rather than, like, if I was setting up under the bar, I would remember how far away from the sides of the mono my feet were supposed to go. Mm. Well, ah. depending at what meet you're at, that's going to be totally different, which I never thought about. Yep. So walking up to the bar and setting up by looking down and then squeezing the bar which i wasn't doing which sounds ridiculous but i was a low bar squatter mm -hmm. and she had me um, move it up higher and it you can see that in videos of of my old lifts and, and newer lifts it's it allows me to actually pull that bar down um so i i mean i feel i don't want to say she completely changed all of my form but she made some significant positive changes mm -hmm to it um and i'm still i mean we were talking at wpo how there's still there's still room for improvement on that form <laughs> Yikes. Uh, but you, you can i mean it takes time to make yeah. those changes happen so that setup though was probably the biggest because your setup is how you are for that whole movement of that lift yeah definitely so that took me from uh um it took me up to a 727 squat so thank you laura <laughs> and then um bench I, instead of, I told you about the leg drive, how I would collapse and then try to leg drive. She had me initiate leg drive from the start, mm. which still in training, um, there were times when my, I would feel my butt come up. So I found a leg, a foot placement where even if I tried to make my, my butt come up, it, I couldn't do it. And that required my feet going even further back, mm. um, which I don't, I mean, it's, Maybe there's a better way, but for now, this is this is what I found to make it through bench press. <laughs> right, right. Also, it, it and, seems to um, work. Yeah. I I told her that day, um, that day at WPO, one of the cues she gave me was to, once the bar is over you, take a big breath in, and that is when your lift starts, which was huge to me because otherwise I would sit under the bar, I would wiggle, I would try to squeeze my back, but it was... It's much more consistent now if 
you know, once that bar is over you and everything's tight, you take that breath and then you bring it down. And that was an issue I had. I would fight the bar on the way down, which is terrible because you can't stay tight that long. But that big breath, I don't know what it is. It just flips a switch where then once that breath is done, I start pulling and it makes it move so much faster and so much smoother. Um, So she's done a lot. Yeah. No, it's that's (laughs) important. And it's interesting that the two things you picked out were both basically technical. And mm-hmm. it sounds like she woefully changed your the, your training regimen. But of all the things she did, it sounds like it was from a multiply perspective those technical tweaks that really made a huge difference. Which I'm not saying is wrong. Of course, it's just interesting to yeah. me. Well, and I don't I don't want that to take away from her training regimen. I just I'm not versed well enough to even speak to conjugate. No. I just no. follow what she gives me sure, no. and try to give it a hundred percent. Just do what I'm told and keep kicking ass. No, I'm not exactly. saying that yes. I don't think that takes anything away from her programming. I yep. just thought it's interesting that those are the two things you picked out. I mean, hey, that that's that makes sense to Bane and I who both Bane's lifting multiply, he's dipping his toe in there. Maybe his whole foot. Pump pump the brakes there, player. Uh what, what, are you balls deep already? I've got a shirt. I've got briefs. I've oh, got, a, right, like, right. got to sign up for a meet. Like, oh, all right. right, right. That, yeah. Would you sign up already? I'm looking he signed forward up. to seeing oh, you. Yeah, I, was, I believe I was the first one or second one. No, he's he's yes. number two. He's yeah. number two. Whatever. Yeah. So so interesting. Uh, so uh, we talked about it already a little bit, and, and just, I would love to hear a little bit more from you, you know, based on what you've seen, just uh, love your perspective on this continued rise of women's strength sports, specifically around powerlifting. Well, I sure if you guys know, but you know, women run the world here. So there's a song about it, so I hear. <laughs> we <laughs> yes, um, but I mean, I feel like women have been doing big things for for a long time in sports. Um, but I do feel like, as I mean, I have a love hate relationship with social media, but I do have to give it um, credit for bringing more attention. I think to to women in sports. It makes it more, um, I mean, it makes it easier for people to see. It brings attention. It showcases mm-hmm. it. I think it's awesome to see women getting more comfortable being competitive athletes. That's not like a, I feel like back in the day that wasn't a typical thing. Women are, are getting more comfortable with breaking that barrier and, and showing that, hey, we can we can do this and we can be impressive athletes. Mm-hmm. Um and podcast i mean your your podcasts multiple people have podcasts where they're showcasing these women athletes and getting their their point of view on thing and how they how they go through their regimen i think that's bringing more attention to it as well um powerlifting specific i mean you keep seeing more and more women's only meets which is Mm -hmm. really neat to see um i know the first time i did a women's only meet i feel like i performed better just because I was a little bit um, more comfortable, which sounds ridiculous now, but it's it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So I think having giving more opportunity for, for women's only meets, no offense, guys, um, but it, it helps bring more women who are like on the line of of doing sports. It kind of gives them an opportunity to get in and, and, and get a feel for it and then branch out a little bit more. But it, it's br- definitely bringing more women athletes that are doing big things that may not have even stepped into the spotlight prior. Yeah. I'd say in the last eight or 10 years, we've gone through it a couple episodes, how Mm -hmm. there's been an incredible rise in the participation of women into powerlifting. I mean, when I started with my wife, who was then my girlfriend, 
uh, actually one of her first meets, it was like her, Laura Phelps, and another competitor. And that was it, wow. the entire meet. Um, and kudos to them. I mean, imagine how uncomfortable they must have been yeah. being three three female athletes. And now you go to a meet and there's like, you know, I, sometimes there's more women than men. Yeah, it's, it's often even, sometimes at least close to equal. Uh, you know, what you saw back then is almost always um, – a female competitor would almost always come with a male. Like Laura yep. came with a crew of guys. Yep. Jackie mm-hmm. came with me. It was very uncommon like you to just go to a meet by yourself as a female, mm-hmm. which can be intimidating. I mean, it can be intimidating for a, for a male certainly as well. Sure. But um, I think for some women, like you said, those opportunities like the women's meet that we've run here a couple of times does provide that, you know, maybe a little bit more welcoming environment for a new competitor, especially. Definitely. And I, I, it's, it's so cool to see. Um, and I, I wish more people would be open to trying things that they're uncomfortable with, but I think those women's only meets to give, give that opportunity. Agreed. And, and I've said it before, I'll say it again and I'll keep saying that the future of the sport is bright and is most definitely female. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Same. <laughs> so let's, let's go back to maybe more of a mindset question. What are your thoughts on winning? What is it? What does it really take to win? You just won the WPO. What does it take to continual progress through the years and, you know, keep getting better as a lifter, as an athlete through powerlifting or any other sports you've done? Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to ride that win. I don't want to get caught up in it. There was, you know, there was a winner last year and the year before and the year before that, and there's going to be winners moving forward. Um, I, I think you have to keep your eye on, Maybe, uh, like for me, I'm going to keep my my goals as numbers I'd like to hit rather than going in and winning. Um, and then I think, you know, if you, if you can focus on those numbers and they're good enough, then you are going to win. Um, but I, I, you, you have to stay dedicated and consistent to be a winner in any any sport, really. You can't you can't half-ass it per se and mm-hmm. I, I really swear i just don't know how else to say that <laughs> whole, whole asset don't half-ass it yeah i mean you, and it, it has to come from all areas you need to make sure you're you're sleeping and getting recovery you have to have you have to be eating and eating uh, appropriately in order to make it through your training and not mm-hmm. get injured you have to give it your all in your training maybe not every single day i mean we all have bad training days but you get right back up and you get in the gym the next day and make it a better training day sure and I think that that combination um, keeps me going. I think it keeps other athletes going. I, um, always thinking that there is, you know, someone else working harder than you somewhere. Someone else is stronger than you somewhere. Those are, are good motivators uh, that kind of push that win out of sight. It, it makes you, makes me want to work harder. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so you mentioned already. So, what what is next for Dino as far as you know, meets goals, numbers? Like, what, what are if you're willing to talk about it? What what's next? For sure, um, I would like to do the women's pro am next year. Yes, um, yes I, who's running the platform? Say woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it seemed like such a fun meet last year. Just everything I heard about it and saw, and um, I really want to lift with Leah. I think she's such a motivational person to be around and she's so positive. I love um, her. She's so awesome. I know. She just, when you're in the same room with her, it's a, it's an awesome energy. 
Um, so I, I think she's planning on doing that. I don't want to spoil anything, but um, pretty sure she's planning on that. I've, so I would like I've, to do that. I've heard that. things. I cannot confirm more than I. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but as far as numbers, I now that I'm in the sevens for squat, I really want to get an 800-pound squat. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get a 500 bench. I've wanted a 600-pound deadlift for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so crossing those barriers would be my next I'd say short to medium, not super short, maybe a medium term mm -hmm. goal, um, sure. long term goal. I mean, I feel like we all have to dream big, right? Uh, yep. Long long term goal. It, I think it'd be awesome to hit a two thousand total someday. I, I I'm telling you now, one, it's in you, and two, there is a race right now between a lot of those names I already mentioned tonight that uh, you're going to probably see. It, I would say in the next three years between three and a dozen women hitting 2,000 pound totals. Call on that now. Yeah. That's, see, I got goosebumps again. It's just so exciting to think of women doing 2,000 mm. pounds. <laughs> no, the WPO format really lends itself to cutting body weight and being lighter. Um, when you talk about a 2,000 pound total, I, of course, Bane and I are never going to say anybody can't do anything at a yeah. lighter body weight. But does for you, does that mean sticking where you're at at 181? Does it mean moving up a weight class to see where it I takes would... you? Uh, I'd prefer to do it at 181. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't do, I usually walk around at 190. And if I'm having a really fun week and we're having a lot of ice cream or something yeah. like that, occasionally I'll get up to 192, but then my gear starts to fit funky. So yeah, I, that's out of terrible. my comfort zone. So it, it's not a huge weight cut that I have to make. So I'd, I'd prefer to stick in the 181 to get to that 2000. Um, okay. I was playing around with numbers just to see what it would even look like or if I was just going to sound absolutely ridiculous saying that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, so an 850 squat, a 530 bench, and a 620 deadlift, which aren't, I mean, give or take some from each of those, maybe take some from one and put one on the other. Yeah, it's so yeah. not totally out of out of question. Sure. No, definitely, definitely. Right. That's, and that's, that's exciting to hear. I mean, that, that, you know, folks are doing the math. They're putting, they're putting the game plan and the map together, uh, you know, to make this happen. And it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I was talking to some other folks about uh, after the 2019 WPO finals, Donnie Thompson made a post about basically how to beat Hoff. So people go way back in, uh, I don't know if it was on storage shit or bow tie, but one of his Instagram accounts, he basically walked through the roadmap on how to beat Hoff. I don't think anybody's read that, but it's really cool to listen to. I've heard it from Leah. I've heard it from you now. You know, here's the roadmap to reaching where Becca Swanson was at and then topping it. It's really, really exciting to think about that. That's I didn't know that he did that. Now that makes me want to go back and read it. <laughs> well, he, he also offered 1500 for anybody else to total yeah, 3000 3, at the last WPO. And unfortunately, I think Merck is probably your closest one, and he yep. wasn't quite at his top health. Um, no, no, he was not. So that's, but he would probably be the one right now yeah. that's the closest to totaling 3,000 outside of Hoff again. So. Agreed. And, there's, and as Bain said, I think there's a number of females that are, are knocking on that door, getting close to those Becca Swanson numbers. It's so, it's so neat to think about. And I, I'm also wondering, back to the Tony Thompson thing, how long he'll, he'll hold true to that. <laughs> I think <laughs> it, it was just a one-year thing, or is I think it forever? It, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. that's, that's up for him. But he said for this year's WPO, since it was the 20-year anniversary, I believe, of him Ooh. totaling 3,000. It was 10-year okay. anniversary of his last meet. Okay, 10-year anniversary. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. 
So we're talking about, you know, hitting these great numbers, um, you know, rewind 10 years ago, a young Dina was maybe bodybuilding or maybe still running or whatever it would be. If you could give advice to a younger version of yourself or a younger aspiring powerlifter, what would you, what would you tell her or him? Oh gosh, for an aspiring powerlifter, I feel like I'd say just get out there and do it. Cause I, I remember, um, looking like at numbers that people were lifting before signing up for the meet to see if I was going to be like, not that it even matters if you are not the strongest person there. Um, I just was curious to see where I was going to fit in. Um, and I wish I didn't do that. Like, I think you should just sign up, sign up and do it and get a feel for it because Mm -hmm. no matter what you're going to improve as you move forward. Definitely. That's, I think it's important for anybody's, you know, the, that first meet is just a barometer. Just like, hey, here's here's what the experience is like, and now, now we keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's no, I, I feel like I hear people say, I, I, my numbers aren't there yet. And it's like, there's no, <laughs> you don't, I think I said this to Tara, there's no tryouts, there's no minimum. Right. Unless you're trying to go for nationals or something where you have to qualify, but for a local meet, man, just Sign up. Sign up and go get a singlet and go out there and have fun. Yeah, definitely. So what would you tell a younger version of yourself? Something maybe you could have done better through the years or maybe just a mindset thing you could have told yourself? Like as an athlete? Sure. Yeah. Um, I I wish I would have gotten a coach sooner. I, I think I wasted, I don't say wasted, I could have probably trained a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. I was of the mindset of I'm going to lift seven days a week. I'm going to try to max out every week. Um, I would go like hiking in the morning and then try to do a nice squat workout after that on the same day, which just it's, Both? it's silly. Yeah, yeah, it's silly. And I wasn't um, I wouldn't stay on top of my nutrition. Uh, and I think when you. I don't, it's not that I think I know now when you have a coach that you, you're training smarter, you're training safer, it's making positive changes in your performance. Whereas, um, I mean, I didn't get a coach until 2019. So starting the sport at 2016, it just makes me wonder how different those starting numbers would be and where I would be now if I had a coach sooner. Sure. Sure. And a good coach. Let's be very clear on that. Yeah. Yes, a good coach. Yes. It's hard to find a better one than Laura Phelps. Yeah, not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> Best coach award. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. I mean, she's she's the greatest. So, first things first, I have to say this, Dina. You're incredibly humble. Your your humility is 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 unmatched. It, it doesn't need to be because I mean, at the end of the day, you brought the bell home. You have taken the multiply world by storm. Many, many folks know your name, and they should, because you are incredibly strong. You are a wonderful human. I've met you outside of powerlifting, and you are awesome. Uh, so I want, I want to gas you up a little bit and, and, and say that, because I believe there's still a ton of your story to be told, and I'm excited to watch it and, and you know be a part of it in some way, even just as a fan. But thinking you know, to the future now, what do you want your legacy to be? This is, this is when the, the humble goes away. What do you want folks to think about when they think of Dina? Well, I will have to say thank you before I answer that. So thank you. And I know you can't see me, but it, you made me get tears in my eyes. So yes. <laughs> that meant a lot. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, 
I, gosh, my legacy. I want to be able to inspire women athletes to, um, I feel like not feel like they have to fit the mold of what society still, I feel like looks like, looks at for, for women to do. Like it's okay to be a strength athlete. It's okay to be sweaty and strong and um, build muscles and you're still feminine and doing so. It's, um, I, I, I would like to inspire younger, older, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think it would be cool to, to leave that. And, um, I guess to add on to that, it's, you can be a friendly competitor. Um, it's a, like you, I, I think everyone should be helping each other when you're competing in this sport as far as like you know loading loading unloading helping wrap um helping put gear on because it's you're 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 adding to the sport and that's going to keep the sport going and keep the culture that it has going so i i and i try to do that i try to lead by example so i hope that people notice that and they start doing that as well i i can tell you i think people did i heard people talking and they were People, I think, were maybe struck by how nice and humble and I don't know if approachable is the right word. I don't know if everybody talked to you, but just the, I think the way that you carried yourself was noticed by others. Mm-hmm. In a very positive wow. way. Yeah, in a very positive way. Yeah. And I thought I noticed. I don't know. You weren't in the warm-up room. I was in the warm-up room. I, I thought it was a very positive warm-up room on the female day and actually the male day as well. Yeah. But compared to some other quote-unquote big meets I've been to when sometimes it gets a little bit like snippy and like not always the most positive there's, environment. There's, there's some chirping going on. Well, yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit on the men's day from a couple individuals, yeah, I'd be that way. but but the women's day I, I thought was a very positive warm up room in general. It yeah. was, it was, and it was noticeable. And we were, Laura and I were talking about that. Um, and Rudy and I were too, mm-hmm. that uh, how I mean, I thought it felt a little bit more different on Women's Day versus Men's Day, but I it was did. in the excitement on Women's Day, so of course it's going to feel different. Yeah. But it was very, very positive. Um, everybody was being friendly to one another. I do have to say a pair of my wraps went missing, but I'm going to hope it was an accident. <laughs> uh, what kind that's of wraps the were only they? negative. Overkill? Um, overkill, yeah. Overkill wraps. We brought two of them so that Kyle, because Kyle was handling me, Thank you, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Kyle is fucking dope. I hope he knows that I, I think that Kyle is fucking awesome. Isn't he? Yes. He's mine, though. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll hug him, too. You know, just no big deal. <laughs> He's a good hugger. <laughs> um, but we, we, we had brought two, two pairs of wraps so that he wouldn't have to wrap it, rewrap them in between right. lifts and, and mm-hmm. for warm-ups. So we had a pair sitting on our cooler, and he had a pair in his hands that he was finishing up. And I think... What was, I think I was unloading my last squat warm up, and mm. then I turned around, and the wraps on the cooler were gone. <laughs> oh no! Thank gosh we had another pair, or I don't know what we would have done if yeah, we didn't that, have an extra pair. That would have been disaster. Well, let's just hope that that was uh, an oversight on someone's. Yeah. Part. Yes, that's what I'm going with. I think it was an accident. It's not like we had our names written on them or anything. Yeah, that's a standard operating procedure here at Team Stone. Is you always label your wraps because we got a lot of white overkill wraps yeah. floating around. I actually label mine and put the date I bought them, so I know that I've got matching pairs. It's good. Call. Oh, smart. That's, good that's call. so smart. <laughs> It, and, and I think one of the, the things that, you know, you mentioned, Dina, and I, I like calling it out kind of this way, is that 
at the end of the day, like when you're competing against somebody, you know, Eric and I are in different weight classes. You know, we we you know as I you know get into multiply, at the end of the day, your opponent is the same, and it's and it's the bar, and it's the weight on the yeah. bar. And I think that's something that definitely the women's game has embraced a ton is that you have a common opponent. And at the other day, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so, you know, obviously my, uh, you know, any competitor is my friend because we have the same enemy. And so I think that's uh, that's one thing the, the ladies game has definitely embraced. And I think you, you're you are well on the way to the legacy and the the leaving the sport better than you found it. And, and I think that's awesome. And, and I cannot wait to continue watching that story be written. Well, thank you for that. That is so, it's awesome to hear. It's, it's motivating to hear. <laughs> so um, Dina, where can, where can people find you online, social media, if any? Okay. So Instagram, um, it's Dina, Dina one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you send me a message and I don't respond really quick, anybody listening, please don't take it personal. I just, at, at work, I try to stay off. It's too busy. And sometimes at home, I just don't want to be on social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will see it and I will respond eventually. Um, okay. Facebook, Facebook, I'm under Dina Tollison. And that's it. I just have Facebook and Instagram. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Do, you, do you keep like a training log on either of those that people can follow you a little bit here and there? So I post more training videos. I'm more active on Instagram. Okay. So training videos are typically put up on there. Meets I'll include on both Instagram and Facebook, but really that's almost the only thing I post on Facebook. It's just meat stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anything else you want to add that we've missed? Gosh, well, um, I feel like I, I've been talking your guys' ear off. Um, no, you're no Michael Fahey. No, no, this, this is <laughs> literally your time. We want your voice to be heard. No, I just I want to thank you guys for having me. I think this is uh, an awesome experience um, to be a part of, so thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. I, I enjoyed hearing your story and how you got in the sport and getting to know a little bit more about you because other than seeing your your great squad at nationals and be like, Oh shit, she bombed. Yeah. I've had no experience with you. So it's, it's been good to get to know you and hear your story. Well, thank you. And on that note, it's okay to bomb out. <laughs> I, I've done it. So it's, yeah. Well, that was my first time ever bombing out. And it was like this. Well, yeah, that sucks, but you learn a lot. It's not so bad. So for anybody who hasn't bombed out yet, your day will come and it's okay. Ben, have you bombed out yet? Nope. Let's not make it in December. Let's not make it in December. Yeah. But it'll, probably, it'll probably happen eventually. <laughs> it, it will happen eventually. I know. I know that. But it's, uh, yeah. But you learn from it. You do. So it's okay. You do. You dial it in. Get uh, yeah. You no know, revenge time. So uh, awesome, Dina. Thank you so much. And again, congratulations. A phenomenal performance. Very well learned. And as I like to say, whenever a champion is here, the champ is here. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, Dina. All right, Mr. Bain, there was Dina. That was awesome. What a great interview. Yeah. Um, Dina, yeah. first of all, thank you so much for, for coming on. It was it was great. And uh, I think if folks have a – once you listen to it first way through, listen to it again and, and just hearing the the humility, I think it's still really true is – truly is sinking in, like, what she accomplished at that uh, at that WPO. Yeah. Um, an excellent interview. Um I'm going to touch back on one thing she noticed. I made a note of Tim Isaacs. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that in our loose ends next week. Yep. But I'm glad we gave her the opportunity, though, to tell her story since she did not uh, get the opportunity to be interviewed. And, yeah. and I didn't want to be – I don't think I put her off by asking her, were you offended? And, 
It's okay if she was. Yeah. I think she was being honest because she's an honest person, but I think it's a fair question. Were you offended? Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I'm glad that we were able to give her the opportunity to talk, and I'm glad that uh, moving forward, it sounds like modus operandi will be champions, uh, interview. champions interview. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely cool, and uh, I, I – it's not the last time we're going to say and, and hear her name, and, and I'm excited to see what the future holds. And, you know, I, I will continue to say it. I'll scream from the mountaintops is that the, the future powerlifting is bright and it is female. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I agree uh, on all accounts that uh, Dina is going to be – her name is going to be said for many years to come, and she's going to – she's not left her final mark, certainly, in the sport of powerlifting. No, no, but the, the mark she has left so far is uh, is Pretty big. Quite, quite big, quite telling. Pretty big. Well, from here, Mr. Bain, we've got some more interviews on the on the way. Yep. Um, we're going to hit our 1020 Life interview. I know we our review. We've been talking we about keep, it for a while. I know we keep talking about it, but we are going to do it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna look we're gonna touch back on some other uh, issues mm-hmm. that we've we've talked about in the past, like coefficients. Um, we've gotten some requests to talk about anabolics, maybe again. We're going to take some deeper dives into some of our past subjects because we've some of them we've really just scratched the surface. Um, if you like the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us feedback on our Instagram account. We've been getting a lot of that lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can slip into our DMs. Slide on in. And uh, if you enjoy the show, you can support it by heading to our merch store. The link tree is in our bio. And if you do buy some merch, take a picture and send it to us. Post on Instagram. Tag us. Yeah. Put it in your stories. Awesome. Anything else to add, Mr. Bain? No, I think we, we've hit it all. And uh, you know, like I said, last thing, Dina, thank you again. And, and we'll, uh, we'll be talking soon. Definitely. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger.